Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. God. Isn't he a good God? Yeah. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you for that warm welcome. I hail from communist New Mexico, and uh, I just want to make that very clear. Uh, I, was, it was, I was happy to come to America. I always love visiting America, Texas, Arizona, North, Car- North Carolina. Um, yeah, so it, we were, um, uh, where I live, we were considered the most locked down state in all of America. And uh, we've been fighting as a church for the whole time. We've uh, taken action against our governor. We've been to federal court. We've been to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. And uh, our attorneys tell us that um, the reason the churches are even allowed to be open in New Mexico is because we kept fighting. And now, and now, and now you you here are experiencing some of the things we've been experiencing since last March. And I, I want to say this about your pastors, and I mean this sincerely. I, I don't have to get up here and say anything, but they have become great friends, and I'm proud to be their friend. I, I love their stance. I love their fight. They're fighting for religious freedoms, and folks, if we don't fight for our religious freedoms, we'll lose them, and then we never get them back. And uh, we need to, the people need to know that this country was founded on, and if you notice in the first uh, amendment in the Constitution, freedom of religion is first, not freedom of press, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And without that, we don't have a country. We don't have a republic. We don't have freedoms. You take away freedom of religion, and we don't have freedoms. And so I'm, I'm proud to know your pastors. I'm proud to be their friends. I, I, I just uh, thank them for taking a stand and fighting the good fight. We're in a fight. And, and man, they're fighting. And, and I'm, I'm thankful you're here. You really do have great pastors. They're great leaders, and they love this church. And they love, uh, they love God, and, and I just think uh, the things they're doing is awesome. Just remember this, as you go through these next uh, weeks or months, they're going to say all kinds of things about the church. They're going to say you're a super spreader, you're this or that. They said that for, uh, about us for the last 18 months, and none of it came true. None of it was true. Um, they threaten, and, and they say things, and if they, they believe if they say it long enough, people believe it. But thank you for believing in God over that. Because really, um, we, we need to know the truth. And we need to stand for what we believe in. And if we don't, we lose it. If we lose it, uh, we tend never to get it back. And so I think your pastors, I, I really do believe they're doing the right thing. You guys are open. You should stay open and, and have the freedom uh, to make choices for yourself. And I believe that's what God gave us. He gave us rights and freedoms. Not the government, but God did. And we need to exercise those. And so I'm so honored to be here and be in his pulpit and Pastor Penny's pulpit and be with 
Pastor Aaron and his wife. You guys have a great staff, great team. I love the worship. Um, these folks can sing, and the bass player can dance and play. Uh, you know, he's a true multitasker. I, I, I don't know if you watched him, but he was jumping around, and I'm like, how does he keep playing? And, and, uh, but listen, before I get started, I want to I uh, talk about something that came to my heart a few days ago, and then we actually, I was in a, uh, having dinner with uh, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Troy, and uh, we, we talked about it a little bit, but it kept coming up in my heart. So I want to pray for some people today that may need prayer, and it's talking about shame. Shame is the belief that I have no value. Listen, we, we all make mistakes. We'll have guilt, remorse, acceptance of fault, sorrow, or all recognition of mistakes, but it doesn't mean we have no value. And a lot of times in our Christianity and the Christian movement, we think if we blow it, we're not valuable, or somehow God doesn't love us anymore, or God doesn't like us, or God won't help me. And that's what shame does. Listen, God made our souls, right? And so this means we will feel remorse. We will we'll feel sadness, and we'll repent. But that doesn't lessen our value. And so some people, they don't come to God or don't feel like they can come to God because they don't feel like they have any value to them because I made a mistake or I blew it. Or this happened to me. When you get hurt as a child, you, you can develop shame in your life. And it makes you feel like you're not worth anything. Maybe people spoke words over you. They said, you're nothing, you're no one. And, and those words have power when you believe them. They have no power until you believe them. And sometimes that's why we hurt ourselves, do things that are detrimental to our health and our bodies. So here's what I like to do. If that's you in Jesus' name, whether you're online or in here, and you say, Pastor or Preacher, that's me. Would you pray for me? I believe God wants to free you. I believe he wants to start a healing process that you recognize what it is, and you can move forward from it. So here's what I like to do with every head bowed just for a moment, because I never want to embarrass people. If you say, hey, that's me, would you just pray for me, include me in your prayer in this? Um, would you do me one quick favor? You can do it quickly. Would you just put your hand up and put it down? I just want to know, am I praying for anybody? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you, God bless you, God. Hands everywhere. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you bring words of knowledge for moments like this, and I pray that each one that lifted their hand realizes in a greater way how much you care about them and love them, to even have this spoken out. Father, we make mistakes and blow it, and we're going to feel remorse. We're going to feel some guilt. But shame, God, says we have no value and no matter how many mistakes we made, we still are valuable to you. You still died for us. You sent Jesus and died for each one. So now I pray for each one. I pray that you heal them from the inside out. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that the spirit of shame, that mentality, I, I break its power over their life. If words have been spoken over their lives, Father, I break the power of those words and I speak new words that they are valuable that you love them, that you care about them, that you want them in your family. You have a plan for them, and they're worth everything. They were worth the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus himself. So, Father, I pray blessings over each one. I pray you free them from this stronghold or from this feeling or sense that, man, I don't matter because you do matter. I pray you feel hopelessness with hope, that you give them hope that, it could be a better day today and tomorrow could even be better. And that, Father, that you free them from being a victim to being a conqueror. 
So I pray blessings upon them. I pray the blood of Jesus washes over them and cleanses them right now as white as snow. And you forgive their sins. And Father, you bless each one. You encourage them and you uplift them. And I believe that this moment, that heavy cloud would just lift and go because, Father, it's by your Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit that you move. And we can speak a thousand words, but one touch from you sets men and women free. Thank you for freeing people. In Jesus' name, amen. I have one more thought for somebody. And, uh, you, you know, people call these words of knowledge if you want. I don't know who you are, but sometimes when we hear about fear, and it's, it's, God says we don't have the spirit of fear, but he never said you wouldn't be afraid. You know, I don't have the spirit of fear, but if I walked through a dark alley and, and didn't know where I was, I would, have, I would be a little afraid. Come on. You know, someone's walking up on me and it's dark and I could be a little afraid, but that doesn't mean you have the spirit of fear. And sometimes, and whoever this is for, sometimes you have to do things afraid. You have to step across that threshold and said, I don't have the spirit of fear, but I am a little afraid. And you, and you, and you do whatever you're supposed to do, do it a little afraid. Because that, that's what that's will help you get over. But to think you'll never be afraid. I mean, how many has ever had someone jump at them and scare them? You were afraid. But that didn't mean I have the spirit of fear. I do that to my wife sometimes, and she doesn't have the spirit of fear. She just hits me. And, and then I tell them, I'll call the police. You're going to get in trouble. And, uh, and I take pictures of the... No, I'm kidding. But, but, uh, but she, she hates to, for that to happen. She doesn't like to be afraid. But sometimes we have to do things afraid. I don't know who that's for, but I was, as we were worshiping, it just kept rolling through my brain. Um, is, just, is that for anybody? Does that help anybody in here? Oh, wow. Okay, good. Good. Well, God, God's here to help. And, uh, and so today I'm going to teach a message that I simply titled, Take a Breath. That through this journey, through what's been happening in our country, we need to take a breath. We need to, we need to slow down. We need to find out what God wants for us. You know, here's the thing. Our journey always leads uphill. That's why God leads us. But we, we have uphill dreams, but downhill habits. In other words, we have these dreams or visions. We want to do things, but our habits in our life doesn't allow us to get there. So we got to change habits. You have to change the way you function and do things. And as a disciple, our journey takes time. A disciple is a, a student. I'm learning from God. When you became born again, you were supposed to become a disciple. That means God's going to take you and move you step by step through this thing that I'm defining or I'm talking about as a process to help you grow and develop. That God wants, knows exactly who you're supposed to be. He knows exactly what you're supposed to do. He knows all the gifts and callings within you, and he needs to stir those up. And in stirring those up, he has to walk you through a journey. And sometimes it's going to be no fun. I mean, people tell me, all I want is God to make me happy. God never said anywhere in the word he'd make you happy. I mean, seriously, and, and can I tell you, it's, the church, it's not the church's job to make you happy. If you're an unhappy camper, you're an unhappy camper. Happiness is a state of mind. Joy is the thing that keeps us going through the midst of turmoil and hardship. But some people say, I just come to church, I just want to be happy. Well, the reason I get disappointed with God is because God never said I'd make you happy. In fact, one time I was praying, I was passing in Roswell, America. It's the alien capital of the world. And when I'd fly on planes, there was two things that would keep people from talking to me. Are you ready? They would say, 
what do you do for a living? I'm saying, I'm a pastor of that. Okay, we're going to quit talking. <laughs> and they said, where are you from? I said, Roswell, America. And they said, is that? I said, it's the alien capital of the world. And they said, have you ever seen any aliens? I said, I don't know, man. I just preach the gospel, and I get them saved. I just never ask them what planet they're from. <laughs> and usually that's it. Usually I can go to sleep now. It's like, okay, did you like that one? Okay. I was praying one day, and I was, and I was praying. I, was gone. I, I, I prayed. I was on my knees in the sanctuary praying, and I said, God, this is absolutely no fun. Pastoring, being a Christian was no fun. And this thought came to my mind immediately, like, whoever said it was going to be fun? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I like to have fun. He said, Steve, it might not be fun all the time, but it will be worth it. And that's what we got to understand, that this process that he takes us on, this journey, can be tough, be hard, but it'll always be worth it. So the question we uh, ask ourselves today and always is, who do I want to please, God or people? Because you can't please both all the time. You just can't. There's no way. And you have to decide who you're going to please. And there's this thing called a process. Let me just define it real quick. I defined it at the end of, of the last service, but I, I, just, I just think I should. So let me define what process means, what I wrote down as a definition. It's a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. And I love this part. A natural phenomenon marked by gradual changes that lead toward a particular result is the process of growth. And so when you said yes to Jesus, you joined the family of God and you jumped on this life that we call, or this journey called life, and you said, God, I'm yours. And God took it seriously and said, thank you so much, I'll take you. And now I have a journey for you to go through. And the process sometimes, there'll be struggles and difficulties. And a lot of times Christians feel like when they're struggling or having difficulties that somehow God doesn't love them or like them. I hear it all the time. I've been doing this a long time. And people say, I don't believe God loves me. Why? Well, I'm struggling with this. I'm having this problem. And I'm like, man, God loves you a lot. And they get kind of mad like, what? What do you mean God loves me? If he didn't love you, he wouldn't be working with you. How many, ever, how many of y'all ever feel bad when you do something wrong? Come on. Anybody? You know why you feel bad? Because God lives in you. I've had people in front of me that have done bad things, and I said, don't you feel bad about it? And I've had guys look at me and women say, no, I don't feel bad at all. And it was always perplexing to me, like, what do you mean you don't feel bad? You're supposed to feel bad. And then I realized the reason they don't feel bad because God doesn't live in them. They're not born again, so to them it's not a bad deal. So if you ever feel bad when you make a mistake, you ought to thank God that he lives in you because that's how you know. Because I don't know if God's with me. Let me give you another thought. Just be, you don't love God because you tell God you love him. Do you know there's not one scripture in the Bible where Jesus says, tell me you love me? That happens between married people. <laughs> tell me you love me. Or you didn't tell me you loved me when you got off the phone. <laughs> right? But we, we, we translate that into Jesus and say, oh, I love God, I love God. I, I love to watch people say, I love God so much. And hey, then serve. No, I, I don't, I'm, no I'm not going to do that. You don't love him that much. You know, you know how you know you love God if you do what he says? Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments, my word. And for a long time, I didn't feel like I loved Jesus, and I didn't feel like God loved me because I'm not that emotional. I just don't get that caught up in emotion. 
I was raised in a military home. My dad served 24 years in the Air Force, and he was a senior master sergeant. And if you cried too long, he said, that's enough. You cried, now stop it. But I'm hurt. Stop. I let you cry for 30 seconds, and that's all you get. <laughs> right? So you grew up that way. He let me cry, but you don't get to keep crying. You better stop now. You, I'll give you something to cry about, is the words I heard. And, and so... So I used to really feel like God didn't love me, he didn't care about me, until I read the scriptures. Here's what we need to understand, the scriptures is what set us free. And I read, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And I said, you mean I don't have to go through all this mushy stuff? Steve, just, if you love me, just do what I ask. It makes it simple. I used to, when I first got saved, people get up here and preachers would come and say, let's just make love to Jesus. And I literally would stand there as a dude and say, not gonna happen. He's a dude, no, 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 no. And I used to think, God, I can't be a Christian because I ain't doing all that. That's just weird to me. It sounds weird. Anybody ever heard that way back in the days? Like, and they, they made it sound so spiritual, and I'm like, this is crazy. I'm out until I read the Bible. And when you read the Bible, you realize there's a process that you go through. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. When you're doing the will of God, not saying you love him, when you do what he says, that's how he knows you love him. And he said, if you love him, all things work together for good. That means when he says all things, that means the good and the bad. We all want good times, but you don't always grow through good times. We grow through the most difficult times. And there's a process. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 19.2. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. How I many of y'all know that's true? I, yeah, you don't have to say that twice. And he who hurries... With his feet acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, sins and misses the mark. So God's never in a hurry. We are. We tend to be in a hurry, but God's not in a hurry. I, I, I'm, I'm changing my mess a little bit. I worked for UPS for 10 and a half years. I went to college. I went to Bible school. And then I thought when I got out of Bible school, God was going to open these doors. I was going to be a preacher. I was going to go do something for a church. And no one hired me. No one even interviewed me. Nobody. So the next thing I know, I'm at UPS. What can Brown do for you, baby? That was me. <laughs> and I was there for 10 and a half years. And I used to say this to the Lord because I didn't like it after the first six months. But I, I, it was just a door open and it would never close. It was like never. It was open forever. <laughs> Anybody ever watch Sandlot? Come on, forever, that's how you have to say it. Anyway, so as I was, uh, as I was working there, I, I, I kept telling the Lord, when, when we get to heaven, if I can remember UPS, we're gonna have a discussion. Because you, you left me there stuck, but here's, here's what I learned. He left me there because he knew exactly where I needed to be trained. So now I look back and I thank God for that, which was a miracle, but I thank God because I look back and you say, well, what did you learn at UPS that made you do what you do today? Here's what I learned. I learned to work hard and do my job regardless of how I felt, regardless of how cold it was, how hot it was, if my body hurt or didn't hurt. God taught me, Steve, you serve regardless of how you feel. And that's a lesson he taught me. I also officiated for years. I did high school football, junior college football for 21 years, had two tryouts in the NCAA Division I. I didn't go to either one of them because I was preaching and I put church over that because I really wanted to do it, but I just wanted to see if I could do it. 
But I, so I, I officiated football for 21 years, basketball for 20 years, uh, fast pitch softball for 12 years. And I used to ask the Lord, why? And even when I was pastoring, I was officiating. Why is this door open to me? And I used to think, this is crazy. I don't like it. Who wants to be screamed at? Half the crowd in one call loves you and the other crowd hates you. I mean, but here's, and I, and I was praying one day, and this is the thought that came to me. What I'm trying to say, wherever you're at, if, you, if you're with God, he's taking you through this process, making incremental changes in your life as you follow him. So here's what I learned. And you say, how could you learn to be a preacher when you're, when you're, when you're officiating? Here's what I learned. Here's what he said. This thought came to me when I was thinking about it. He said, Steve, here's what I've taught you officiating. I've taught you not to get too puffed up and prideful when people tell you, you do a good job. Because one coach that I do a game said, Smotherman, that's the best officiated game I've ever seen. Next week, when I have them, here's what he says. You're the worst official I've ever seen. <laughs> so I learned not to get too prideful when he said I did a good job. And you know what else I learned? Not to get too down on myself when he told me I didn't. I knew when I did a good job and not. I didn't need anybody else to tell me. And so you don't get too down on yourself when you make a mistake and you don't get too up on yourself when you do good. You just stay even. So that's what he taught me. Here's what I'm saying to you. God can teach you if you're open to learning wherever you're at. And he ultimately knows where you need to go, what you're going to be. And if we don't understand the process, here's Jeremiah 2.25 says, slow down. Take a deep breath. What is the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? And we always want to be somewhere else. You know, when I was a kid, I used to always wanted to be 18. When I was 12, I wanted to be 18. When I was 11, I wanted to be 18. When I was 15, I wanted to be 18. I just missed life because I wanted to be 18. You say, why do you want to be 18? I wanted to leave home and be on my own where no one could ever tell me what to do. That's the only reason. I love my parents. My parents were great. I just didn't like them telling me what to do. So you know what I did at 18? I went to college. You know what I did? Anything I wanted. But I missed life because I was looking to be 18. And then, then the big age was 21. Because what could you do at 21? <laughs> See? <laughs> and and so, so you keep, and that's how we live our life. God, if I just had this, if I just did that, if you just opened that door, if you just gave me this job, I'd be happier. But here's the deal. If you're an unhappy camper now, you'll be unhappy anywhere you go because you take you with you. I used to say, God, if I just get a church, I'll be different. You know what I found out? I was the same whiner and complainer at UPS as I was pastoring. And so God says, you gotta, you gotta commit to the process. You gotta stay with God. So when things are difficult and hard, you don't blame him. You don't say, oh God, you don't love me because it's hard. You know what you do? You're thankful. You develop a thankful, grateful spirit and thank him because you know all things work together for good to those who love God. You slow down and enjoy the journey and ask him some questions. What do I need to learn here? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to... Get me to recognize so I, I work on it. But what we do as a lot of times as Christians is we moan and groan. We get discouraged and disappointed all the time. You talk to some Christians, they're discouraged every day. I talk to people all the time and I talk to them and they'll tell me a story and I'm like, that's awful. That's heartbreaking. I said, when did it happen? 20 years ago, they said. I'm like, what? They said it like it happened yesterday. 
So they quit growing 20 years ago because they couldn't get over their pain. Because they felt like something was done to them instead of something's working for them. When we're with God, he uses everything, good and bad, to work for you. And until we believe that, most of our Christian lives are going to be up and down or we're going to be indifferent to God. We're going to believe in God. We're going to come to church. That's it. We have no real heart for God. And a heart doesn't mean mushy stuff. It just means I'm willing to do what he wants me to do. Whatever that is. I have people tell me all the time they believe in God. And I ask the question, what God do you believe in? And they're like, what? You know. No, I don't know. I'm asking. I don't know. You said you believe in God. What God? Well, you know God. No, no, I don't. There's, there's a lot of gods, small G's out there. Which God do you believe in? And if they can't articulate, I believe in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're believing in a false God. And they say, well, I love God. Really? Let me ask you three questions. I do this with people because for some reason where I live, everybody thinks I, I want to know where they go to church. <laughs> like it blesses me when they say, well, I don't go to your church. I'm like, well, I'm, so I'm, really? So I'm so blessed because you're telling me that. Well, I'm a churchgoer preacher. And I'm like, great. Can I ask you three questions? Sure. Do you serve? Most of them say, nope. I've had yet to have one say yes to all three of these. Do you serve? Nope. Do you give your tithes and offerings? Nope. Do you show up for church regularly? Nope. I say, well, what kind of believer are you? What kind of God do you serve? And you say, man, that's offensive, is it? I mean, they're telling me. I didn't ask them. They made me feel bad. I might as well make them feel a little bad. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm not mean about it, but it's funny to me. And so you and I need to understand when we're going through this thing called life, that we're on a journey. And when you say yes to God, he's got you on a journey. Yeah, but preacher's so hard. It's hard all the time. Well, what are you needing to learn so you can walk out of that? So it's not always hard. So it's not always difficult. People say, well, I mess up. That's why I'm going through this. No, you go through things sometimes because God loves you. You can't grow without friction. We don't grow without, what is the term? No pain, no gain. You and I can't grow without going through difficult times so we can do what? Apply the word, apply the word, do what the Bible says, apply the word. I'm gonna keep doing the word regardless of what I see because I know it's working. And then one day you come out on top and if you're a true believer and you're walking with God, you always land on your feet. I always say like this, we're like cats. And I've never thrown one when I say this, I've just watched it on YouTube, but anyway. So you're like cats, when you throw a cat, they always land on their feet we got to be as smart as a dumb old cat that when we get thrown in life if we love God and we're doing what he says and we keep doing what he says we'll always land on our feet and we'll be stronger for it but if we always jump out of the process too hard God doesn't love me and and I know we feel that way sometimes but here we give you another statement feelings are not facts if you want to write down any statement Write down that one and think about that one. Feelings are not facts. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's true. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't wake up in the morning every morning thinking, I just love God. I mean, it doesn't come out of my mouth. I don't wake up every morning thinking, I just love my wife. I just feel like I love you today, baby. <laughs> if I did that, she would check my temperature. She'd be, boy, you're sick. What's, why, why are you acting stupid? 
So there's a difference between feeling like I love God and knowing I love God. How do I know I love God? Because I'm, I'm purposing to do what he asks. And that means when you blow it, you repent. People always tell me they're spiritual. I'm so spiritual. I know the Bible inside now. And I'm like, hey, well, I'm fine. Here's how I judge spirituality. You ready? Two things. Do you repent quickly and do you forgive quickly? It's not based on all this other stuff. Because if you do those two quickly, I think you're pretty spiritual. You're on a journey and you recognize who's in charge of the journey. If I repent quickly, and I'm a, I'm a king of repenters, I know how to repent because I've done it so many times. <laughs> and I'm quick to forgive. I purposed a long time ago never to be offended. You say, why would you do that? Because my Bible teaches me those who love the law of God, nothing shall offend them. Psalms 119, 165. Nothing. So people walk around, that's offensive, that's offensive, that's offensive. You know why the world's so offended? Because they don't love God. They don't love the Word of God. And the church is too worried about offending the world. Like, why? They don't mind offending us. Talking about all the crazy stuff they do and all that stuff. And it's like, well, I, I think that's a little offensive. I just purpose not to get that way. I tell people, get, get a ticket, stand in line, take your best shot at offending me. I'm not going to get offended. Because I'm going to be quick to forgive. And people say, well, I can't forgive. Yes, you can. Well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. I know and we didn't deserve God's forgiveness either, but he gave it to us anyway. That's why he said, if when you stand praying, forgive so your Father in heaven will forgive you. See, this is a journey, a process where God wants to make changes, phenomenal changes in your life so that you can become who God wants you to become. Changes. But if you're not committed to the process, how does he change? James 4.4 4 says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And the cure for evil desires is humility. You can't be a friend of the world and, and embrace everything they believe and a friend of God at the same time. You, you'll hate the one and love the other. Or you'll love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve two masters. And we have to decide if we're believers, we're going to stand with the church. If we're going to criticize anything, we criticize the world and its ways and its philosophies and, and county commissioners and governors and, and those people. But the church, I stand with because I'm part of the church. I may not agree with everything, but I stand with them. What happens to a lot of Christians is we don't criticize the ungodly, we criticize the godly. Can I give you another word of knowledge? I mean, these things are coming through my mind. Is it okay? So let me give you another thought. When, when we, oh man, I lost it. It was a great thought too. It came right in. Do you know what's harder than thinking? Rethinking. That's why you should, I should have wrote it down real quick. I'm like, it'll come back to me. But we, we need to walk with God in a way that, that has, that we realize it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. We're going to struggle. There's going to be difficulties. And it doesn't mean we always did anything wrong. It doesn't mean we did anything wrong. Jesus didn't do anything wrong and God led him to the wilderness. And sometimes for us to grow, we have to go through some difficult situations. What we learned in the church world today when the church is the most persecuted it's ever been in all of America's history right now. What we learned is people didn't know how to exercise their faith. They knew how to come to church. They knew how to pray a little bit. But when it came to really believe in God, we faltered. Because we really don't have to believe God for most of our life. We don't believe him for food. We're not praying every day, God, bring some food to my house. Most of us aren't. 
We're not praying for shelter. We're not praying for a vehicle. We're not praying for clothes. So now when we really had to believe him, stand in faith, we had to exercise our faith. And so if we're not walking through some things where God keeps us needing him, and, and people say, why am I always believing for this? Because you need to have an area or two areas in your life where you need God. Because if we don't need God, we just dismiss him. And then we need him, we don't know how to, how to walk with him. And when I said yes to the Lord, he said, Steve, I'm going to take you on this journey. And sometimes it's going to be no fun. Sometimes it's going to be painful. And my journey has been painful, difficult, and heartbreaking at times. Heartbreaking. But I never once said, God, I won't serve you. I've thought about not being in the ministry, but never not serving him. And so many people get upset with God and hurt because they're going through difficult times. And the first thing they're doing, they're out. They quit coming to church. They quit serving. They quit doing things. You're going through a difficult time in your family. Here's what people say. We need to take some time off of the church. Why? Why don't you take some time off at work? Why don't you quit your jobs? Well, we got to have food. Yeah. Just like you need, you need the, your money to buy food, you need spirituality to walk with God. You need, you, it, when, when you're going through difficult times in your family, it's not a time to step back from the church. It's a time to step in and say, we're going to get more involved. But people think so differently at times. And it's because we don't understand that when we go through life, it's not always going to be fun, but we got to humble ourselves to the things. C.S. Lewis said it this way, describes humility. we got to humble ourselves, not as thinking less of ourselves, but as thinking of ourselves less. In other words, putting people first. James 4, 6 says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. In other words, submitting willingly to God and his word is what we need to do. Realizing we are all flawed in need of a savior. Every one of us is flawed. Every one of us will make mistakes. But sometimes we do things well. You know what? I've always been amazed at the church, the church world, and I'm part of it so I can talk about it a little bit. It's how Christians are so hard on other Christians but we're so easy on the lost. Any lost person, no matter where they come from, you can be redeemed, brother, sister. I don't care if you kill 20 people. God can redeem you. God can save you. And we get excited when they get saved. We're like, yes. But let a Christian make a mistake, and we say things like, God's going to get them. Can you believe they did that? Well, why can't we believe Christians do things wrong? We do things wrong, but we can't believe other Christians do things wrong. Isn't it amazing how hard we are on ourselves? Instead of saying, hey, brother, man, I know you messed up. Man, I'm your friend. I'm going to walk this up. I'm going to walk with you through this journey. We're going to walk this out together. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to look down on you. We all make mistakes. And he was without sin. Throw the first rock. Don't throw it at me. Throw it at Pastor Ed. But <laughs> just, just you can throw it at him because some of you may be good aims. But think about it. We're so easy on people that come and get saved. We let them come from anywhere. If you got saved, man, we're excited for you. But somehow we're not excited when Christians make mistakes. It's a wrong spirit. We should be for our brothers and sisters. You blow it. Hey, I've blown it. Let's, let's figure out how we work this out and get going again. Do not quit on God. There's a plan he has for your life. There's a journey he has for all of us. And if you believe in him, you walk through it. But, Pastor, it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's heartbreaking. At times, I've talked to people, they broke my heart just listening to them, just the pain. It's just so sad. But I have to come back to and say, God still loves you. How could God love me in this pain? 
because he uses that pain to help you work through something and grow. So the next time you experience it, you don't experience as much pain. And the next time you experience something, you experience even less pain. And before long, you're experiencing it, and people say, doesn't that bother you? Yeah, but I'm just not going to get moved by it because I know it will pass. Everything passes. Nothing's forever unless you get stuck in that moment and you stay there. And that's when people don't grow. If you're going through a difficult time, man, some of us ought to be grateful and thankful. God, thank you. You're going to help me get through it. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. And maybe you did everything right. But God says, I got to grow you here. You know, before I got saved, I was, um, I was born with a crossed eye. I was born with a lazy eye, what they called, and I, and I had double vision. So if someone was ugly, I saw two uglies. I shouldn't have said that, but I did. Just right past your Troy and say, I can't believe that guy said that. Um, but, but if so, I've, if I looked at you, I'd see two of you, and, and, and you'd be like, who are you looking at? Because my eye went in, so it made me look I was looking somewhere else. And I had these big, thick glasses. My dad was a military guy, so we had these big black frame, thick glasses, bottle, like bottle, Coke bottle looking lenses, and kids would make fun of me. They'd call me four eyes, and I'd punch them in the mouth. I fought all the time. And it didn't matter if they beat me up. I still punched them. I didn't care how big they were. It was like, we're on, brother. And, if I, and then I, would, I had five siblings, four boys and a girl, a, a sister. There was four, five of us. And, and I'd pick up a rock. I'd pick up a board. It was like, you know, you, you, what? If they called me cross-eyed, that was it. We were fighting. The trouble was I saw two, and so sometimes I missed on the first shot and got them on the, you know, you had to punch both of them. <laughs> but it created something in me I didn't understand. So when I went to high school and I'd have to do reports or junior high, I would write the report, I did the work, but I was terrified to get up in front of people. I mean, I was terrified. In fact, my mom and dad said about all of our five kids, the one we thought that would, the least, the one we thought least would get up in front of people, that would never get up in front of people was Steve. My dad was shocked when I started preaching. In fact, I started preaching in penitentiaries, and he said, at least you got a, I mean, this, this is his encouragement to me. At least you got a captive audience. They can't get up and leave. I'm like, well, that, that's so encouraging. Thank you so much. He was a great dad, but he was, he was, I think he was trying to be nice, but it was like, oh, okay, yeah, great. They're in jail. Where are they going to go? And so I would take F's on my papers because I was terrified to stand in front of people. The teacher said, Steve, you've done the work. Just get up and read it. I said, I'm not going to do it. I was terrified. I'd come home and I'd tell my mom or dad I got an F. They said, what would you do, Steve? I said, I'm not getting up in front of the class. I can't. I just, I was terrified. But what I didn't realize, what it worked in me was rejection. So most of my life, even when I got saved, if you told me something good about you that happened, I would really genuinely be grateful. I'd be sincere, like, man, thank God it did good. Thank God he did that for you. But then I'd walk away with this heavy feeling that God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. Like, God, why don't you ever do that for me? I always felt left out. So I was with a guy, and he was praying with me, and he, and he finally told me, Steve, you suffer with rejection. I didn't know. If you'd have walked up to me and said, God gave me a word, you suffer with rejection, I'd think you're a quack. But that's the pain that we all experience. And so only God knew what was in me. And he said, Steve, when you get born again, I'm going to take you on this journey. He didn't tell me he's going to take me to be a preacher because I would have died a thousand times over. 
So I was just in college. So I went to college. I was a business major. I was trying to do that. And then, then I really felt called to go in the ministry, and I didn't even realize what I was thinking. And so I remember thinking, I, but I can't get up in front of people. I was terrified. And, and then I laugh at myself, and look where I'm at now. You know why? Because God began to heal. I didn't want to be a victim of that, being a cross-eyed kid all the time, four eyes, seeing double vision. I didn't want to be that. And you know, today I'm not that. I don't identify that way. I'm just a flawed man that God uses, and I'm grateful. I'm so thankful. And no matter what your pain is in life, no matter how you were raised, what happened to you, you can stay stuck there. Or you can say, God, heal me. I'm walking with you. I'm going to keep walking with you. I know it can be painful dealing with whatever. But when I come out, I'm going to land on my feet. I'm going to be so much stronger because I've committed to the process, whatever that is. I don't care how big you are or small. You know some of the biggest men I know, the toughest guys, do you know their greatest pain? And I've walked men through this because we, we, we're like your church. We have a, a man's church. Here's what I've walked men through. It's big, strong dudes. you know what I walk them through? The fact that their dad never told them they loved them or was proud of them. Greatest pain in their life breaks my heart to think about it like really that's the pain well I never experienced that my dad told me he loved me but sometimes there's pain in there that we don't know but and we 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 get with God and God works with us and he takes us through situations just so we become stronger and better not to be worse not because he dislikes us or mad God's long-suffering, that means he doesn't get mad or irritated or upset with you. People say, God, I'm sure disappointed with me. No, he's not. He's not disappointed because if he was disappointed, he wouldn't be helping you. He just loves us. He cares. So stay committed to the process. Whatever it is you're journeying through, journey through it. You'll get through it. You'll be stronger. You'll be better. And the next time you go through something, you'll just get through it quicker and better. You won't, it won't create as much pain in you because we're getting better at it. That's all God wants. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for being here. I thank you for teaching us. I thank you for helping us. I thank you for encouraging all of us. Father, I know I threw a lot of thoughts out there. But Father, somebody, I believe, needed one of those thoughts. And God, if one person gets set free here today or gets on the journey with you, it was worth it. Because you go after people individually. You're a personal God, and you want a personal relationship. But God, we just got to understand how you process, how you work. And you just work with us to make change after change after change. And we're grateful. We're going to develop a grateful, thankful spirit and attitude towards you, God. Yeah, we may not like everything. You didn't say it would be fun. You didn't say we'd enjoy it. But you've always taught us it'll be worth it. That he or she who endures to the end shall be saved so thank you God for helping us to endure the good and the bad it's not always tough times there's great times and sometimes people falter during the great times they forget how much we need and they need you help us to stay on that narrow path God that leads to eternal life broad is the way to destruction and many thereof find it Narrow is the way to eternal life, and very few find that. Help us be the very few that find that eternal path. Take this seriously. I walk with you. That, Father, we take authority over the religious spirit that binds so many 
And we ask that you replace it with the life-giving spirit of the Holy Spirit, that this is a life, this is a journey, this is real. And we're not to play with our salvation. We're not to play with eternal life. We're to take it seriously. In Jesus' name. If you're here with every head bowed or online with every head bowed, and you say, Preacher, would you pray with me? I've walked with God, but I've walked away. I'm ready to come home. Or Preacher, I've never really given God my heart, not with the intention of doing what He asked me to do. I did it because I don't want to go to hell, but I've never really followed Him or had a desire to really get to know the Word or get involved or serve or whatever. But you know what? I'm going to come to Him today with intentionality that I will serve Him. I will learn His ways. And I'll do what he asks. The best way I know how. When I blow it, I'll repent. Get back on track. If that's you in Jesus' name, right where you're seated, with every head bowed and online, listen, what I'm going to ask you to do is so significant to me, so important, because it gives you a moment to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks, I want God in my life. The other thing it does, it, it's a form of confession. And Jesus said, if you confess me before my Father in heaven, I'll confess you. Or if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. God wants you just to acknowledge him. And if that's you right now, all over this place, and you say, preacher, include me in your prayer, right where you're seated. Are you ready? It's very simple. Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray with me. Anybody here? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God loves people, guys. You'll never experience his love. Thank you. God bless you up there. God bless you over there. Thank you. I see that hand, ma'am. You'll never experience God's love until you say yes to him. And he'll take your life and everything that it encompasses. And he'll say, let me, let me walk this with you. I know exactly what you need. I know the help you need. I know the changes you need to make. I know what's great in you. Anybody else before we close? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all the hands that were raised today, that lives will be changed supernaturally, that people will not be the same because of this moment. Thank you for the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. But it's not really that. It's not just knowing the truth. It, it, it's, it's the truth we know that sets us free. It's not reading it. It's doing it. And so, God, bless each one in Jesus' name. Love on them. In Jesus' name, if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer loud with me. And I want everybody in here as a church, would you, in support of those who lifted their hand, there were so many, would you pray with us? And pray with them so they're not praying alone. Would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Would you pray, Father, I choose to believe in Jesus. And I believe he's your son. And I believe he's the only way. So according to your word, I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, thank you for listening to me. God bless you guys. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.